0: Section nine of A Romance of Two Worlds. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter six. Part two. The Hotel Mars and its Owner. But let me speak to you of yourself. You love music, I understand. You are a professional artist. I was, I answered, till my state of health stopped me from working. Heliobas bent his eyes upon me in friendly sympathy you were and you will be again an improvisatrice he went on do you not find it difficult to make your audiences understand your aims i smiled as the remembrance of some of my experiences in public came to my mind yes i said half laughing in england at least people do not know what is meant by improvising they think it is to take a little theme and compose variations on it the mere a b c of the art but to sit down to the piano and plan a whole sonata or symphony in your head, and play it while planning it, is a thing they do not and will not understand. They come to hear, and they wonder and go away, and the critics declare it to be claptrap.' "'Exactly,' replied Heliobus. "'But you are to be congratulated on having attained this verdict.' everything that people cannot quite understand is called claptrap in england as for instance the matchless violin playing of sarsate the tempestuous splendour of rubinstein the wailing throb of passion in holman's violoncello this is according to the london press claptrap while the coldly correct performances of joachim and the icily null renderings of charles hall "'are voted magnificent and full of colour. "'But to return to yourself, will you play to me?' "'I have not touched the instrument for two months,' I said. "'I am afraid I am out of practice.' "'Then you shall not exert yourself to-day,' returned Heliobas kindly. "'But I believe I can help you with your improvisations. "'You compose the music as you play, you tell me. "'Well, have you any idea how the melodies or the harmonies "'form themselves in your brain?' "'Not the least in the world,' I replied. "'Is the act of thinking them out an effort to you?' he asked. "'Not at all. They come as though someone else were planning them for me.' "'Well, well, I think I can certainly be of use to you in this matter as in others. I understand your temperament thoroughly, and now let me give you my first prescription.' He went to the corner of the room and lifted from the floor an ebony casket, curiously carved and ornamented with silver. This he unlocked. It contained twelve flasks of cut glass, stoppered with gold and numbered in order. He next pulled out a side drawer in this casket, and in it I saw several little thin empty glass tubes, about the size of a cigarette holder. Taking two of these, he filled them from the two of the larger flasks, corked them tightly, and then turning to me said, to night, on going to bed, have a warm bath, empty the contents of the tube marked number one into it, and then immerse yourself thoroughly for about five minutes. After the bath, put the fluid in this other tube, marked two, into a tumbler of fresh spring water, and drink it off. Then go straight to bed. Shall I have any dreams? I inquired with a little anxiety. Uh, certainly not, replied Heliobas, smiling. I wish you to sleep as soundly as a year old child. Dreams are not for you to night. Can you come to me to morrow afternoon at five o'clock? If you can arrange to stay for dinner, my sister will be pleased to meet you. But perhaps you are otherwise engaged. I told him I was not, and explained where I had taken rooms, adding that I had come to Paris expressly to put myself under his treatment. You shall have no cause to regret this journey, he said earnestly. I can cure you thoroughly, and I will. I forget your nationality. You are not English. No, not entirely. I am half Italian. Ah, uh, yes, I remember now, but you have been educated in England. Partly. I am glad it is only partly, remarked Heliobus. If it had been entirely, your improvisations would have had no chance— in fact you never would have improvised you would have played the piano like poor mechanical arabella goddard as it is there is some hope of originality in you you need not be one of the rank and file unless you choose i do not choose i said well you must take the consequences and they are bitter a woman who does not go with her time is voted eccentric. A woman who prefers music to tea and scandal is an undesirable acquaintance. A woman who prefers Byron to Austin Dobson is, in fact, no measure can gauge her general impossibility. I laughed gaily. I will take all the consequences as willingly as I will take your medicines. I said, stretching out my hand for the little vases which he gave me wrapped in paper, and i thank you very much monsieur and here i hesitated ought i not to ask him his fee surely the medicines ought to be paid for Heliobas appeared to read my thoughts for he said as though answering my unuttered question i do not accept fees mademoiselle to relieve your mind from any responsibility of gratitude to me I will tell you at once that I never promise to effect a cure unless I see that the person who comes to be cured has a certain connection with myself. If the connection exists, I am bound by fixed laws to serve him or her. Of course I am able also to cure those who are not, by nature, connected with me. But then I have to establish a connection. And this takes time and is sometimes very difficult to accomplish. "'almost as tremendous a task as the laying down of the Atlantic Cable. "'But in your case I am actually compelled to do my best for you, "'so you need be under no sense of obligation.' "'Here was a strange speech, "'the first really inexplicable one I had heard from his lips. "'I am connected with you,' I asked, surprised. "'How, in what way?' "'It would take too long to explain it to you just now.' said heliobas gently but i can prove to you in a moment that a connection does exist between your inner self and my inner self if you wish it i do wish it very much i answered then take my hand continued heliobas stretching it out and look steadily at me i obeyed half trembling as I gazed, a veil appeared to fall from my eyes. A sense of security, of comfort, and of absolute confidence came upon me, and I saw what might be termed the image of another face looking at me through or behind the actual form and face of Heliobas. And that other face was his, and yet not his. But whatever it appeared to be, it was the face of a friend to me, one that I was certain I had known long, long ago, and moreover, one that I must have loved in some distant time, for my whole soul seemed to yearn towards that indistinct haze where smiled the fully recognized yet unfamiliar countenance. This strange sensation lasted but a few seconds. Heliobas suddenly dropped my hand. The room swam round me, the walls seemed to rock, then everything steadied and came right again, and all was as usual, only I was amazed and bewildered. "'What does it mean?' I murmured. "'It means the simplest thing in nature,' replied Heliobus quietly. "'Namely, that your soul and mine are, for some reason or other, placed on the same circle of electricity. "'Nothing more nor less. Therefore we must serve each other. "'Whatever I do for you, you have it in your power to repay me amply, for hereafter.' I met the steady glance of his keen eyes, and a sense of some indestructible force within me gave me a sudden courage. "'Decide for me as you please,' I answered fearlessly. "'I trust you completely, though I do not know why I do so.' "'You will know before long. You are satisfied of the fact that my touch can influence you?' "'Yes, most thoroughly. Very well. All other explanations, if you desire them, shall be given you in due time.' In the power I possess over you and some others, there is neither mesmerism nor magnetism, nothing but a purely scientific fact, which can be clearly and reasonably proved and demonstrated. But till you are thoroughly restored to health, we will defer all discussion. And now, mademoiselle, permit me to escort you to the door. I shall expect you to-morrow." Together we left the beautiful room in which this interview had taken place, and crossed the hall. As we approached the entrance, Heliobas turned towards me and said with a smile, "'Did not the manoeuvres of my street-door astonish you?' "'A little,' I confessed. "'It is very simple. The button you touch outside is electric. It opens the door and at the same time rings the bell in my study, thus informing me of a visitor. When the visitor steps across the threshold, he treads— whether he will or no, on another apparatus, which closes the door behind him and rings another bell in my pages room, who immediately comes to me for orders. You see how easy? And from within it is managed in almost the same manner. And he touched a handle similar to the one outside, and the door opened instantly. Heliobas held out his hand, that hand which a few minutes previously had exercised such strange authority over me good-bye mademoiselle you are not afraid of me now i laughed i do not think i was ever really afraid of you i said if i was i am not so any longer you have promised me health and that promise is sufficient to give me entire courage that is well said heliobas courage and hope in themselves are the precursors of physical and mental energy remember to-morrow at five and do not keep late hours to-night i should advise you to be in bed by ten at the latest i agreed to this and we shook hands and parted i walked blithely along back to the avenue de midi where on my arrival indoors i found a letter from mrs everard she wrote in haste to give me the names of some friends of hers whom she had discovered through the american register to be staying at the grand hotel she begged me to call upon them and enclosed two letters of introduction for the purpose she concluded her epistle by saying, "'Raffaello Cellini has been invisible ever since your departure, "'but our inimitable waiter Alphonse says he is very busy "'finishing a picture for the salon, "'something that we have never seen. "'I shall intrude myself into his studio soon on some pretense or other, "'and will then let you know all about it. "'In the meantime, believe me, "'your ever-devoted friend, Amy.' I answered this letter and then spent a pleasant evening at the pension, chatting sociably with Madame Denise and another cheery little Frenchwoman, a day governess, who boarded there and who had no end of droll experiences to relate, her enviable temperament being to always see the humorous side of life. I thoroughly enjoyed her sparkling chatter and her expressive gesticulations, and we all three made ourselves merry till bedtime. Acting on the advice of Heliobus, I retired early to my room, where a warm bath had been prepared in compliance with my orders. I uncorked the glass tube, number one, and poured the colourless fluid it contained into the water, which immediately bubbled gently, as though beginning to boil. After watching it for a minute or two, and observing that this seething movement steadily continued, I undressed quickly and stepped in. Never shall I forget the exquisite sensation I experienced— I can only describe it as the poor little doll's dressmaker, and our mutual friend, described her angel visitants, her blessed children, who used to come and take her up and make her light. If my body had been composed of no grosser matter than fire and air, I could not have felt more weightless, more buoyant, more thoroughly exhilarated, than when, at the end of the prescribed five minutes, I got out of that marvellous bath of healing.' As I prepared for bed, I noticed that the bubbling of the water had entirely ceased, but this was easy of comprehension, for if it had contained electricity, as I supposed, my body had absorbed it by contact, which would account for the movement being stilled. I now took the second little phial, and prepared it as I had been told. This time the fluid was motionless. I noticed it was very faintly tinged with amber, I drank it off, it was perfectly tasteless. Once in bed, I seemed to have no power to think any more. My eyes closed readily, the slumber of a year old child, as Heliobus had said, came upon me with resistless and sudden force, and I remembered no more. End of section nine.